With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. We are here to talk about the 112th edition of the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry on the BAD podcast here with the Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team. What what number of podcast is this? Is it 112 podcasts? 113. 113. How yeah. about that? Uh, I'm Doug Maurice. That was Bill Landis. He's the technology guy. He got a big fancy microphone called the Yeti. It's called the Yeti. Yeah. Why is it called the Yeti? I didn't know it was called the Yeti, but that's what my computer calls it, so that's what it's called now. Uh, and then we also have Ari Wasserman. We are here to talk about Ohio State, Michigan on Saturday at noon in Ann Arbor at Michigan Stadium. And this is a game. This is obviously the first Urban Meyer Jim Harbaugh showdown. But given Ohio State's loss to Michigan State, Given the season that Michigan has had, Ori Wasserman, is this a little bit more than just a game? Like, you know, what could this do to the standings of both Ohio State and Michigan, not just in relation to each other, but in their place in the Big Ten? If, for instance, Michigan wins this thing on Saturday. Uh so I mean, it's like you you came into the season and you kind of felt like this was going to be a huge game no matter what because of just the two coaches, the personalities, and the stakes. Um, but you know, you, you look at what it actually means to Ohio State and Michigan from a different perspective because Ohio State's kind of on the ropes right now, and you never would have thought that would have been the case. And Michigan is in a situation where it is building a program a lot faster than you thought they were. Michigan is way off the ropes and in the middle of the ring swinging. Yeah, Ohio State's got its back on the ropes right now, and it's all, it's, it's crazy because they haven't played yet, and you almost sense a shift in the power of the rivalry. And I don't know if you agree. I mean, that can all change with four quarters of football, and that's why they're playing the game. But right now it feels like Ohio State's in desperation mode. It went from three days ago or four days ago being – in the thick of the national title race and a trendy pick for a lot of people to repeat as national champions to what the heck's going on with this program. And to lose to Michigan State, that's kind of the precursor to the idea that Michigan has a really good shot at beating them. They're favorites right now, and it's in Ann Arbor. It's a new coach. It's the battle, and I I just feel like the entire paradigm of the rivalry and Ohio State's program in general and Michigan's program can all depend on four four quarters. Do you know how to spell paradigm? Yes, there's a G at the end. Nice. Pair of dimes. Um, <laughs> and, and you are our betting line, ex- line expert. Wasn't this line before the season like double gi- digits? For I thought Ohio it was State? like thirteen and a half when they make those fake lines before the year. And uh, now and Michigan all, is the favorite, right? Well, it's interesting because I, I read this. Ohio State would have been a six and a half point road favorite had they beaten Michigan State. Um, and then they opened as two and a half point favorites, and then all the money 
swung violently to Michigan, and now Michigan's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I thought I read somewhere, too, that maybe Michigan was a three-point favorite at some point. It swung so far, maybe it's swinging back to Ohio State. It, it's possible. What I saw, because on, on, I wrote the breakfast on this, I, I didn't see that they were ever three-point favorites. But, um, yeah, I mean, for it to swing three-and-a-half points and turn a favorite into a two-and-a-half or a one-and-a-half-point underdog is a very, very, very... Here's, I'm going to say this off the top of the podcast here. Uh, I think people are overreacting to a lot of things with Ohio State at the moment. Um, and Ohio State still has better players than Michigan. But we'll get back to that later. Bill Landis, uh, let's tell the people, we, would have, we were going to write like 10 stories comparing mm-hmm. the 2015 Ohio State team and season and what's happening and where Michigan is to the 1969 season. Here's the little... Um, Tiny little explainer on that. In 1968, Ohio State, with a team full of sophomores, won the national championship. They all came back in 1969. They were undefeated. They went to Ann Arbor. They played a first-year coach named Bo Schembechler. Michigan won. And that was a two-loss Michigan team going into that game. This year, Ohio State is the defending national champion with a team that was fueled by sophomores last year. They all came back. They were undefeated. They were going to Ann Arbor to face a first-year coach. And oh, by the way, they lost the week before. So we punted most of the 1969 (laughs) stories. You're never going to read them. We'll have the few that are going to be up on Wednesday. Not what we thought. But Bill Landis, that scenario and what I thought this was going to be was Ohio State looking at history, Michigan as a fascinating spoiler. And now... I think people think Michigan is better than Ohio State. Like, are we really that far away? Is this no longer Ohio State's the better team and Michigan is the spoiler? Has one game really flipped it that much? No, not in my eyes. I I guess I could see why people would think that because Ohio State is... I think people might think Ohio State is like on the brink of falling apart, which is interesting to me because they lost one game, and I know they didn't look good. And the running back said things after the game that people thought were um, a, a microcosm of a bigger problem than yeah. in, the, in Ohio State's locker room. Whose fault is it that people think they're falling apart? Whose fault is it yeah. that Ohio State Ezekiel? Elliott? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I, I just I call him the running back because I always stumble over his name, and it's just easier to say the running back. Um, but no, I don't. I, in my eyes, it has not flipped to the point where Michigan is better than Ohio State. I think that's sort of a Sort of a crazy proposition. Um, Michigan has, it still has two losses. Is not a team that's been running over every team it's played. The, the majority of Michigan's games have been very close games, and they've been doing it with really, really good defense. Um, now that poses some matchup problems, obviously, for Ohio State. But Ohio State still has top-tier talent. Urban Meyer is still recruited at an incredibly high level. They are the defending national champions with everybody back. So until they go on the field and Michigan beats Ohio State, if that's what's going to happen, I'm not going to sit here and say that it has flipped already and Michigan State is the better team. What I thought before the Michigan State loss, that, that what I, how I viewed the potential Ohio State-Michigan matchup was Michigan, very good defense, even though I think Michigan has a couple injuries on the defensive line, but still a very good defense, especially with a very good secondary, that would make it difficult on Ohio State to throw the ball. And after what we saw against Michigan State, uh, that's like times 10. JT Barrett might complete one pass against Jordan Lucas and Jabril Peppers in that Michigan secondary. And then a Michigan offense that I questioned maybe the overall talent level of the Michigan offense, but they had two things. One is Jake Rudock, a veteran quarterback who had been getting better all year, um, isn't great, 
but is sort of like a game manager guy right. who has uh, one really good target and the tight end and Jake Butt. And then, by the way, a potential genius game plan from Jim Harbaugh. If Al Borges, the Michigan offensive coordinator two years ago, could draw up an offensive game plan that almost beat Ohio State in Ann Arbor in 2013, Jim Harbaugh certainly can drop a game plan for this week's game because Al Borges got fired after that season. And he almost beat undefeated Ohio State that year. So, you know, that I, I felt like things had to go right for Michigan. I still feel like that's the case. Things have to go right for Michigan. But this is an incredible opportunity. Let me give you a scenario. Michigan wins. Michigan or Michigan State is going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. I think whether it's Michigan or Michigan State, they'll beat Iowa. Mm-hmm. Okay, So the East winner is going to be the Big Ten champion. And I think Michigan, at two losses, if they win the Big Ten, has a chance to go to the playoff. Okay, Michigan State certainly is going to go to the playoff. And I think once either of those teams gets in there, who knows what's going to happen. Okay, Suddenly, the national team from the Big Ten is not going to be Ohio State. It's going to be whatever one of those two teams is in the playoff. I just don't think it's going to be Iowa. It's going to be someone in Ohio State's division, Michigan State or Michigan. Ohio State's going to lose all these people to the draft, plus some really good seniors. They're going to go on the road at Oklahoma next year in the third week of the season. That's going to be a really tough game. Let's say Ohio State loses that game in 2016. They're going to have one loss early. Michigan's only going to be better as Harbaugh settles in there. Michigan State is losing a lot of people. They're losing Connor Cook. They're losing some people off that defensive line. Michigan State's not going anywhere. You could flip this thing from Ohio State's national championship to Ohio State being the third most relevant team in its own division very quickly. And it starts Saturday with a Michigan win. Am I crazy? No, I don't think so. I think the other thing you need to consider with that, too, is, and I don't know how it breaks down, but Nick Baumgartner... Our friend from M Live uh, put this out. Michigan is honoring 44 seniors on Saturday, so they are also a very old team. I think they might be the oldest team in the country, but I don't know how many of those seniors are, are in pivotal roles. Regardless, whoever comes out of that is, yeah, it's it's this easy pecking order. Whoever comes out of that whole mess in the Big Ten East, it's obviously number one, regardless of who, what you have coming back. So if Ohio State is a third team left out with a bunch of guys leaving for the NFL and a bunch of seniors leaving. I, yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I think don't, it's very possible. What's really crazy to me, more more so than anything, is that I think both of the things that you guys just both said are correct, com- completely true. What's fascinating to me is think about all the things that had to come together for Ohio State to reach the point that it reached. You know, recruiting classes had to pan out. They had to win games. They had to overcome a loss. They had to have the most improbable run to a national title, and one of the most improbable runs to a national title in the history of college football. And then in one game, they lost by three, and the entire par- – I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> the entire scope of the way we look at the Big Ten and Ohio State in general has now shifted. And I, and I think it's possible, and I agree, if Ohio State loses this game to Michigan and you know they go to the Capital One Bowl, which no so, one will care about. No one will care about at all. Citrus Bowl. Regardless no, of Citrus Bowl. B-dubs. Capital One. The www.idontknowwhatitscalled.com bowl. Yeah, the Mickey Mouse Bowl. Um, and then they win or lose. Does it really matter if they win or lose that game? They will be irrelevant for a month and in then the bowl season. In the bowl season, Urban Meyer's team will not be <laughs> what it was a year ago. Then, like you said, they come back and they have a chance to lose a, 
a game against a team. I don't really know much about Oklahoma or if they're returning people, but they're in the playoff talk right now. Um, and they lose that game. Next thing you know, Ohio State went from the national champion that's a favorite to go back-to-back that returned everybody to the team that lost to both Michigan teams, already lost a, a non-conference game. And it's like, well, how do you go from the best and unquestionably the best undisputed, if I might say, to there's what they have in one game. There's a, there's a street after it, yeah. Now, <clears throat> that's the doomsday scenario for Ohio State. And now let me jump in here and swing back the other way. Um, let's look at the last two times Ohio State sort of had doomsday endings to seasons. 2011, they go 6-6 six and six in the regular season. They lose to Michigan in Ann Arbor to end that season. They go to the Gator Bowl. They lose to Florida. And then they hire Urban Meyer and come back the next year and go undefeated. Okay, so that was Ohio State in dire straits, and they came back the next year with a fantastic, unbelievable, undefeated season. 2013, they're rolling along. They're undefeated in the regular season. They have the path to the BCS championship right in front of them. They go to the Big Ten championship game. They lose to Michigan State. Urban Meyer's eating pizza in the hallway. Everybody goes crazy. They go to the Orange Bowl. They lose to Clemson. What's happening? Braxton Miller's hurt. He doesn't. They don't have a quarterback. He gets hurt again in camp. They come back. They play JT Barrett. And the next season, they come out and win the national championship. So they could have a doomsday ending to the season and come back in 2016 and shove it down everybody's throats. But we have already written about this. And if you have not read it, go read it at cleveland.com slash OSU right now. We wrote about the exodus that is coming. The players that are going to leave. Seniors like Taylor Decker and Adolphus Washington um, and some absolutely critical guys like that. And all the juniors that are going to leave. Ezekiel Elliott, Joey Bosa, Cardale Jones. Are they all already said they're going? Of course they're going. Yeah. It drives me crazy when people talk about these like, oh, of course they're going. Like, why do we have to pretend that everybody didn't know that? Oh, Ezekiel Elliott announced he's leaving? Wow, what a... I, yeah. it's, it's just silly nonsense, acting like news is news when it's not news. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to go. Of course he's going to go. He's a fourth-year junior. He's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. Of course Michael Thomas is leaving. Von Bell could leave. My guess would be probably he does. Darren Lee could leave. I don't know. I think he could go either way. They're going to lose a lot of talent, so it is going to be a great challenge for them next year. So now let's swing it the other way, Bill Landis. Ohio State still has the best talent. Ohio State plays its best game of the year, which is absolutely out there to be played because probably their best game of the year right now is the Rutgers game. And when you do something against Rutgers, it doesn't count. (laughs) It's true. It doesn't count. Um, Fire Kyle Flood. So what if Ohio State goes and wins this game on Saturday Let's say Michigan State does beat Penn State, so Ohio State does not get to go to the Big Ten Championship. But an Ohio State team that wins would then go to a playoff bowl, Mm -hmm. probably the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Who knows who they would play, but they would play a good team. They certainly would have a good chance to win. Whether or not they win that bowl game, tell me, Bill Landis, give me the description of the state of the Ohio State program if they win at Michigan on Saturday. Uh, Obviously much better. I I think... Regardless of what happens the rest of this season, there are some serious questions, I think, about what Urban Meyer is going to do with his coaching staff, how they replace the exodus of players that are going to leave. But if Ohio State wins at Michigan, especially if it wins thoroughly at Michigan and finds itself in the Rose Bowl or Fiesta Bowl, one of those playoff bowls, and wins that game 
and you look back at the season and you say, you know what, we got beat by Michigan State. We didn't play well. That kept us from reaching our ultimate goal of winning the, winning the Big Ten, winning the national championship. But you know what, we can't win every game. We had a 23-game winning streak. You sort of heart back on all the good things, maybe try to push that one bad memory aside and, and look ahead toward next year. Winning a bowl game like, like the Rose Bowl or Festival, I think, is, is something to build on especially when you have young players uh, coming back next year in pivotal roles. But it doesn't erase, in my mind, it does not erase all of the questions that are left from this season, which are how this team failed to reach, at, at an, an incredible rate, failed to reach the expectations that everybody had for it. Ohio State wins in Ann Arbor, and Ari Wasserman thinks what of Ohio State? You know, the thing that, I mean, we're talking about national relevance for Ohio State, and I think no matter what Ohio State does short of Penn State beating Michigan State and getting a chance to go back to the playoff has been a failure of a season. And and I, and I we talked about it last week, and we, we've talked about it over and over again. We get to hold Ohio State in the context of the expectations they created for themselves. And given the fact that they returned an entire team, basically, that won a national championship, you know, leading on a ton of sophomores, I don't think Ohio State, from the way it played all year to the loss at Michigan State, has held up its end of the bargain of being the dominant program in the country. Um, and why that's happened, I think there's a million reasons why, some of which make sense, some of them, you know, I don't know. But, you know, for them to go out and beat Michigan, I think they need to do that just to say that not all is lost at this point. I, I mean, you don't want to go into desperation mode three weeks after being on top of the college football world, and that's very possible. So I think if they beat Michigan, Michigan State wins, and Ohio State's left out of the playoff conversation, it's a failure of a season. I do, but I don't think it takes them into the following year as desperation mode or the afterthought of the Big Ten, I think they need that. What would it mean out on the recruiting trail if Michigan won this game? Ari, you wrote a story this week about how Michigan is not recruiting in Ohio that much. <clears throat> you have some really interesting theories about why that's the case, and some of those series, some of those theories, sort of, I think, involve the idea of like Ohio State's sort of king in Ohio, mm-hmm. and Michigan's not going to go bang its head against the wall in Ohio until it has some standing. Would Michigan beating Ohio State in year one of the Jim Harbaugh era provide enough standing for potentially Michigan maybe to make a push almost right off that win? to come into Ohio, to come into other territories in the Midwest. We know they're recruiting California and Texas and New Jersey. But would Michigan, A, make a stronger Midwest push, maybe go head-to-head more with Ohio State if Michigan wins, and B, would if they do, would they be substantially more effective if they beat Ohio State? How much would that matter to recruits? Okay, go ahead and sit back. I've got about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, well, the theory is, one of the theories of the six theories, if you haven't read the story, uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, not emphasizing recruiting Ohio, theories for why and what it means for Ohio State. Go check it out. One of the theories is that they are sitting back and waiting to have a stronger standing in the college football world before coming into a very hostile territory that's pro-Ohio State. So, yes, Doug, I, I believe that having a win under Ohio State in year one is obviously a big thing, but beating the Ohio State that they had become I think is a huge, huge thing. If that is, in fact, their plan, their plan might just be recruit Texas, Florida, and California and be done with it. But if they are planning a – And New Jersey. And New Jersey. And New Jersey. 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 Actually, New Jersey, 
the offers were like substantially lower than Florida, California, Texas, New Jersey is more than Ohio. But um, so yeah, they, they if their plan is a delayed blitz of Ohio for you know it's a pretty Ooh, solid. That's good. I yeah. should have put that in the story. Football. Um, and to come in Ohio when they're more prepared to actually take Ohio State's top talent out of Ohio, that would certainly make a difference. Now, the interesting thing, I think, when you because this is an Ohio State podcast, is that Ohio State's recruiting over the course of the next few years already seems to be in very good shape. Ohio State's class in 2016 is basically full. They've got three or four, maybe five total spots left, and they have a lot of four or five-star guys that are still recruiting. So that could it's expected they're the number two class overall. They're probably going to finish with the top three class. Um and then you look back in the 2017, they already have 11 or 12 or 10, 11 or 12 okay, yeah. uh, commits in 2017. So the recruiting classes are already very deep for the foreseeable future. So it's hard for me to imagine that Ohio State's going to take a huge hit regardless of how the season ends because they've already established themselves as a power in the Midwest and they already have guys lined up to come here. But for Michigan's sake, Michigan is recruiting off of a national presence and right now the only thing that they have nationally is a coach with a name that's recognizable so for them to come in and beat ohio state and put themselves in a situation where they might be playing for a big 10 title if you know best case scenario for them or if worst case they just have a win against urban meyer that'll only enhance their ability to go nationwide and thus give them a chance to to maybe make a dent in ohio when they really haven't tried to do that yet did you just black out did what i said make sense <laughs> yeah Wow, this, this podcast is 45 minutes long already. <laughs> At the moment, I think when Jim Harbaugh tries to sell his program and sell himself to recruits, he sells tradition and history. He sells putting Michigan back to its previous status. He sells his success in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers and with Stanford. Um, he can sell a lot of things. He can sell Andrew Luck. He's not at the moment. I mean, it's his first year, of course. But he's yeah. not at the moment selling, look at what we've done. And you talk to Urban Meyer a lot. And not you. I'm, not, I'm looking at Ari as I say uh, that. I don't mean you. I mean the proverbial you. Um, when anyone talks to Urban Meyer, he talks a lot about having evidence. And something that is proof. And the 2012 season for Urban Meyer was proof. He took that proof and he went out and he signed the recruiting class in 2013 that set the foundation for this program. If they had gone 7-5 and five in 2012 instead of 12-0, and 0, he would not have had the same kind of proof. Now, Michigan has a lot of proof right now already. The punter cost them some Michigan State proof, but they still have a lot. A win... Over Ohio State is a lot more proof. Especially if you're coming to Ohio. Especially if you're coming to Ohio. But I think if you're going anywhere where Ohio State has a presence, obviously that's Ohio number one. But if you're going to Florida, if you're going to Georgia, if you're going to Virginia, Maryland, D.C., places where Ohio State has recruiting bases, you would go in there and you would say, look at this proof. So I think that is so substantial that it would be – and like it's, Ari, it's a lot to me about what you've written when you wrote about Ohio being ripe for the picking um, in recruiting in regards to Michigan State. And Urban Meyer told you this. If Ohio State takes an Ohio kid, 
they get that Ohio kid, and it's also a kid Michigan State can't get. If Ohio State gets a national kid, Ohio State gets that kid, but then Michigan State can come take the Ohio kid that, that Ohio State didn't get, right? Yes. So when you can do something that not only is a plus for you, but is simultaneously a minus for your rival, that's so much more than just a plus. And if you could get, as Michigan, if you could get that plus, look at the best win we have in this rivalry. And at the same time, you are adding that minus on top of this Michigan State loss, on top of the way people reacted to Ezekiel Elliott's comments. That is a huge change to me versus, hey, look, Ohio State won. They're still kicking Michigan's butt no matter who the coach is. That Michigan State thing was a blip. Ohio State's fine. They go on and win a bowl. I, I like I. People overemphasize things sometimes. That's what we do as sports writers. I don't know if we can overemphasize the the, the magnitude of this game as we look forward, because it's not just a plus and a minus. It's a plus and minus at the same time, and and you are flipping the whole status of both programs with one result. It is a huge when Doug makes a big point, and he's excited about his point. He like sits back and then like flops back. It's like a mic against drop. the chair. It's like yeah. he's mic dropping it. You can't. See, we see it. You can't see it, and it's fascinating. Starfish. <laughs> um, so, what were you saying? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Big game. Big game. It's a big game. <laughs> the headline: Ohio State, Michigan to play a big game on Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and like. I don't think that we should forget that this was always going to be a big game. And this was always going to be very influential for both guys. And the proof, and the recruiting, and everything. And that Ohio State loss to Michigan State on Saturday only makes it more of a desperate situation than it already would have been. Because Ohio State would still have all the same things at stake right now, in my opinion. Like, if they would have have beaten Michigan State with 138 yards of total offense by three... We would be sitting here talking about Ohio State's not looking very good. Michigan State gave them all they could handle, and Michigan might be ready at home to, to really snatch this because it's all the same stuff. But now, on top of the stakes that Ohio State has from the recruiting standpoint, from the rivalry standpoint, it's national relevance and program stability standpoint. And I think that's what makes it so interesting because before uh, last week, this wasn't an issue. So now Ohio State's gambling for a lot of things. This win is a gamble for, as Doug wrote, Ezekiel Elliott and the image that it created in the locker room and whether there's a split or whether there's some apprehension from players and, and you know, that that's huge. The rivalry, recruiting, Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer, bragging rights. Big Ten championships, potentially, whether or not Michigan State can take care of business against Penn State. This game went from a cool 1969 upset potential that we were writing about and thinking about three months ago to the biggest game Ohio State and Michigan could possibly face under the circumstances in year one. Because I think the the thing that has switched is if Ohio State had won last week, it was going to be Ohio State, best team in the country, defending national champion, trying to repeat against the team that's trying to upset them. Yeah. Right? Michigan was under them. Could they pull the upset? Ohio State on top, Michigan underdog. And if Michigan had won, that would have been it. The underdog won, right? Yeah. Now, that loss feels like it put them on such equal footing that Michigan, if it wins, can just say, we're, we're better, better than you. Yes. And that's like the, the, the rivalry in general. The 1969 game, 
you could, they couldn't say we were better. It was just the crazy upset. Right. And Ohio State right now is going into this game not knowing if they're better. And to me, that's the most fascinating thing about this whole season is that we've talked about the recruiting and we've talked about the talent levels and we talked about the NFL draft and everybody who came back from a team that already proved they were the best against the best teams in the country last year. And now, all of a sudden, we are sitting here, and I don't even know the answer. Is Ohio State... I think Ohio State's a better football team than Michigan, but they might not just be playing as well as Michigan. They and have I, better players. They've got better sure. players. Are they a better team? Uh, you know, that's to be to be seen. Time will tell. <laughs> but... Um, it's fascinating how quickly the shift in focus and the feel of this game has has kind of occurred, especially because you would think that the foundation that Ohio State built over the course of the past 18 months would have been more durable than one loss. And I think the thing that also makes it different than the Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes 10-year war, and we'll figure out here in a second if we think this is going to be a 10-year war, that was much more parochial. That was to be the king of the Big Ten. The college football world has changed. Everything is national now. When you are on top of your conference, you know, Ohio State's rivalry is not is it, I mean, until Jim Harbaugh came back, Ohio State's rival was Alabama. You know, like your rival's Baylor, are you going to get in the playoff or not? It's not just about do you win your conference because every week you are constantly competing against everyone else to be good enough to get in the playoff. And when you are an elite team, you are judged now on national championships because there is a clearly defined playoff and national championship that everybody's watching. Bo Beckler never won a national championship, but he was defined by what he did against Ohio State. And what he did against Ohio State was go toe-to-toe with Ohio State for decades. That's not the deal anymore. And so when, when Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh are going head-to-head, they're not fighting over Big Ten championship rings. Nobody at Ohio State is satisfied with the Big Ten championship ring right now. Nobody at Michigan is saying our goal is to win the Big Ten. You know, maybe maybe initially because they've been so down. But, I mean, like, he's there to bring Michigan back to national relevance, not just to beat Iowa in the Big Ten championship. So the, the positioning, like, globally of the programs and the importance of that is so different that, that what you do goes bigger. So it's not just about, boom, let's butt heads, you know, our states touch each other, whatever. We were born in the same hospital, all that stuff. It's bigger than that. So this is year one. How many years will we have of this? How many years will we have of Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh? We're putting it on the record. Uh, In 2015, people who are listening to this on the chip implanted in your head in 2026, (laughs) Bill Landis is now making his prediction for how long the Urban Meyer-Jim Harbaugh war will be. We all must make a year-long prediction. And we're going to make Bill go first, and he didn't know we were going to do this. Go! (laughs) Four years. Ten years is... To expect either of these guys to hang around at their respective programs for ten years, I think, is ridiculous. These are two of the top three coaches in all of football, all of of college football. And the NFL is going to come calling for both of them. Harbaugh's been there. I know he loves Michigan. He's the ideal guy to coach Michigan. The NFL is going to try to bring him back at some point. The NFL is going to try to bring Urban Meyer up to its ranks at some point. So I don't see this lasting 10 years. I think for four years, this will be the most captivating head-to-head coaching matchup in the country, but it's not going to be for a decade. Six. 
Okay, what year is it? It's 2015. 2015. Doug's been waiting. He's like calculating in his head. You know what? I think four is really good. Yeah. The, I, I couldn't say four because you took it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say four also, and then I don't even know if we should <laughs> if we should bother asking. I'm gonna ask the question, and we're not gonna answer it. Who's gonna be the guy that ends it? Oh. Why is it not going to be the war anymore? Who's the guy that, that they're not going to like shake hands and I walk out the door it. at the same time? Jerry Jones is going to end it. Jerry Jones. <laughs> Jerry Jones is going to say, "Hey, either you guys want to come coach for me?" And then they'll have whoever raises yeah. his hand first will end the war. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the beginning of the four-year war. It's very important. Read about it at cleveland.com/osu. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff this week. Some historical stuff. Um, some very relevant stuff about the state of the Ohio State program right now, which is even more important than how it might compare to 40 years ago. Um, we, of course, will be in Ann Arbor on Saturday for the noon kickoff in Michigan Stadium. Um, so follow us then. Follow us after all of this and do an interesting off season, and keep following us this week. Do you want to do questions before we go away? Yeah. Twitter we, questions? We got, yeah. Well, there's one that's fun yeah. that we can definitely answer, but I'll show you this one before we ask it. Do we want to answer that question? Yeah, we'll answer that. I want to read it. We're not afraid of that. Okay. All right, so we have... We'll start with the fun one, and then we'll do the more more hard-hitting one. So we have uh, at JW underscore Snow wants to know, what are the top three press boxes in the Big Ten? I hate questions like this because I have a terrible memory. I remember all of them. Okay, you go. Um, Iowa was good. See, I, I think the Big Ten has some terrible press boxes yeah. in comparison to, like, the Pac-12, like, Autzen Stadium in Oregon is incredible, and they had, like, pot roast mashed potatoes. It was incredible. Stanford had rolly wheelchairs and granite countertops and a ton of space to roll around. Um, I think Ohio State has one of the top press boxes in the Big Ten because I don't like how high it is. Ohio State and Penn State have very high perspectives um, because of how big the stadiums are, but Ohio State has a lot of food. It has enough room on press row to move around. Some of these, like Penn State's got the worst one ever because it's bad. It's a one-person bathroom. It hasn't been renovated since Year of the Rat, and there is no room. You're stuffed in next to the person next to you. So um, right now, I guess I had to go national with it because I just think Stanford is the best press box I've ever been in, and that deserves to be noted just because they had personal leather rolly chairs. Yeah, I haven't been to every stadium in the Big Ten, but my three favorites so far are Michigan State, because I just think it's really nice, I like Ohio State's, and I like Minnesota's. Yeah, Minnesota's was pretty big, and yeah. there was like good breakfast food there. Yeah. I, have, like, do you, I have no idea. If you go to like, if you go, if we're, are we talking about like... There's so many things that go into Yeah, it. it's just like, there's so like... Should we do an alternate... Because yeah. it's like a 15 minute supplemental press box food pro- here's about podcast. Food, quality of internet, bathroom facilities, convenience from getting down to the field before and after the game. Um, you know, let me tell you, so the older you get, the higher up the list bathroom facilities yeah. moves. <laughs> because, like, you got to go to the bathroom, and, like, I remember there was one press box. I think it was. It was this year where you're on Virginia Tech's press box. You had to like walk 1.6 miles across the, the the press box to go to the bathroom. And when you really have to go in the fourth quarter with seven and a half minutes left, and your story isn't done yet, walking really far to the bathroom is a problem. Okay. All right. 
What's the real question? Hard-hitting question from at Drew, Drew Jacob one And a reminder, you can send us Twitter. This is the first week we've actually had Twitter questions, but send them every week. Do you think Urban Meyer regrets hiring Tim Beck? Yes. He makes $525,000. He can handle the criticism. I think they miss... The, the biggest problem with Tim Beck to me is not in the play calling. It's he's the quarterback's coach, and both quarterbacks have regressed. And I don't know how you could argue that. Cardale Jones was not as good, not as much of a playmaker this year as he was last year in the postseason. JT Barrett finished fifth in the Heisman race last year, and in the biggest game of the year this year, looked like he was afraid to throw. I don't know what that is other than look at the room. Look at the room and what changed in the room with the guys who are together every day. Urban Meyer talks nine units strong constantly. Position group coaches are the most important guys in your life. I think you would be surprised sometimes how much the players don't interact with Urban Meyer on a regular basis. Your position coach is like your second father. The quarterbacks have regressed. Yes, he regrets it. Yeah, I say yes too for all the reasons you said. Because there's not what what is the value? The value in adding a guy like Tim Beck to the staff was he wanted someone who could recruit Texas, and I don't know. Maybe he just thought the quarterbacks would keep rolling no matter who was in that room. They clearly haven't. And now the best thing that Tim Beck has done in his less than a year in Ohio State is get the guy who like might be their quarterback in three years in Tristan Wallace. Other than that, I'm not sure what he's bought and. I'm sure that he is part of the reason the quarterbacks have regressed. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) That's the Bad Podcast. Follow us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Ferrari Wasserman and Bill Landis. I'm Doug Lane Maurice.